my god, my computer's getting so old. It's like telling me, oh, this quit unexpectedly, and I'm like, well, I expected it. I told it to do that, but uh, I guess you didn't expect it. <laughs> You're not gonna say it, somebody should. Let's talk about two time. Let's talk about bum one, yeah. Asking the questions that nobody could. Like, where are the bone dogs and are they in harmony? Everybody, welcome. Welcome to a show, which we're gonna have right now. I'm Pete. Um, let's do some housekeeping. Uh, for our 500th episode upcoming, everyone get excited because the celebration of our 500th episode will be the destruction of my crockpot. Um, I think this will be the only time maybe I talk about it this way, but probably not. But I think that what I should do. What needs to be done here is to kind of be like, uh, pretend I want to not just destroy my crock pot. I want to pretend that like that is a normal thing that people do in order to celebrate the 500th episode of a podcast. Like, oh yeah, our traditional, you know, well, far be it from me to be traditional, but uh, we're going to go with the podcast tradition of destroying a crock pot. As a celebration of our 500th episode. So uh, that's coming up. So get excited. This will hopefully be, I'll remember, and this will be the last time I talk about it this way. And that I say like, oh, this is a big scam that we're doing. But uh, get hyped up. You know, start thinking of cute names. Croc, croc of shit. Helpful snowman's croc of a 500th episode. You know what I mean? Helpful snowman, we are the crock of shit. We're not the shit, we're the crock. Something. Uh, maybe a crocodile. <laughs> Have they ever done that? Like branded a crock pot with a crocodile? Oh, this is the crock pot. It's green and bumpy. And uh, not to be confused with its competitor, the alligator pot. Which, I mean, these fucking animals are the same shit. Okay. I know that those of you who know, because you memorized a rule about the difference between them, think that it's an important distinction. But, uh, you know, I here's when I encounter an alligator or a crocodile. When I'm at a zoo. Or when I watch a video of Florida, a Florida golf course. That is my only in, uh, encounter with either. And I don't really care. It doesn't, you know, what difference does it make? That's like the difference between me saying like, oh, that's a, uh, that's a black lab. And they're like, oh, that's a golden retriever. And it's like, yeah, who fucking cares? I mean, what's the functional difference there? In my relationship to both is exactly the same too, which is no thanks. I, I'm not gonna, not interested in either. Not trying to befriend them. Not trying to create a, uh, unusual animal friendship for them. Um, I just, you know, if I see one of them, I just say like, hmm, that seems like someone else's problem and I move on. And uh, I suggest you all do the same. If you're not already, I don't give much advice on this show, but I will give that advice on this show, which is, holy shit, um, 
skip the crocodiles and the alligators. Treat them the exact same way. Uh, other business. We have like five new uh, books on the Kindle bookstore as of this year. Yeah, it's been a big year for publication. <laughs> Let me tell you. So here, here's the thing. If, I guess if you're hearing this on Sunday, and I think it actually extends through Monday, um, you can get all of these for free if you're a dickwad. Um, you can just get the electronic version for free. You like how I set this up where I'm like, uh, here's a bunch of books I wrote. I'm going to put them on here for free. But then if you did it, if you took them for free, then I'm like, what a dickwad. You know what I mean? Like, how, how were you supposed to know that you were being a dickwad? I don't know. All right, so let's run through this real quick, what we've got. Uh, we've got Harold's Coming. Harold's Coming is uh, like a Where's Waldo. Imagine a haunted Where's Waldo that serves as a marital aid. Um, I think I read that entire story out loud on here. So uh, just review it, because you heard it. You probably heard it. If you didn't listen to the whole thing, just review it anyway. No, There's no quiz. I've asked. I've asked many times if Goodreads could implement, like, an Amazon, if they could implement a quiz to be like, can we do a basic comprehension quiz to see if people read, like, the first 20% of this? Um, they wrote me back. They said, Pete, no, fuck off. Uh, then we've got, trying to go chronologically, uh, misogynist baby. Uh, this is <laughs> this is my picture book answer to um, some books I saw. I read one called Feminist Baby when I was uh, several years ago. I just was at, working at the library and I just saw it in the picture books, and I was like, "How does this work exactly?" Because I was like, you know, babies don't. Uh, have that concept i mean i don't know if babies can be said to be nature or nurture that early in life it took me down a rabbit hole too because i even looked up like uh you know all the like play classical music for your baby it turns out that's total bullshit um even the person who did the study that that's all based on was like no no this has been completely misinterpreted and uh, there is no evidence that playing classical music for your baby does anything. Just let's just be clear. So anyway, um, I was like, how does this work? Like, do, how would a baby, how would a baby be feminist or uh, have any real perspective on anything? I mean, they can't, their vision doesn't even work correctly. They don't even have object permanence. So how would they know? They would not understand these concepts. Um, so I read Feminist Baby and uh, my brief review. Well, here, let me just pull it up. I'll read you the review I wrote of it, which I felt was fair. Um, tough, but fair. Let's see. Feminist Baby. Two stars. Plus, the drawings are pretty great. Minus, let me read you my board book called Cynical Pete. Sometimes Cynical Pete thinks people slap a word on a thing to sell copies. <laughs> and I think the proliferation of further books such as Feminist Baby Finds Her Voice, uh, Baby Feminists, Feminist Baby, He's a Feminist Too, Baby Feminists Too, T-O-O, -O. Um, so on and so oh, Baby Feminists, 25 Postcards for Change. You know, it's like, okay, 
I guess if you want to make money off of this, that's your, your prerogative. And I'm jumping in the boat too. Because I thought, well, if a baby can be feminist, then certainly a baby can be misogynist, right? If, if this is the idea that we can, uh, okay, we can educate a parent about what these things are, then okay, we can educate them about what this is. You can't just learn about the good things. You got to know about the bad. But then also, um, if the baby can absorb this, and if a baby can be feminist, then I think a baby would have to also be a misogynist. Some baby out there. Some evil baby. I mean, Hitler was a baby. And, uh, you know, what, what does that mean? What is, <laughs> what's the consequence? So anyway, misogynist baby. I really recommend getting that one for free. It'll take you like 10 seconds to read. I did also add discussion questions because I found that uh, many picture books for children of this type add like a real uh, funny set of discussion questions. I always thought discussion questions, adding those to your own book is like such a pretentious thing to do because it's like, uh, okay, you just read my entire book. Uh, which I assume you're going to do in some kind of discussion setting because, you know, this is such an amazing book that you'd want to share it with others. Or um, let me give you these questions to sort of explore the themes of the book because I'm going to assume, even though I just wrote an entire book that you read in order to answer these questions, I'm going to assume that maybe you didn't quite get it, what I was going for. So let's use these questions to explore the topic, which... I'm like, if you have to, ask, if you're asking these questions just to make sure that people got it, um, maybe the book wasn't right. Like maybe, maybe if your book was correctly written, if a nonfiction book can be said to be written correctly, shouldn't the people be able to come up with these questions? Because they're like, ah, okay, based on this reading, I have some questions. So that's in there. Um, all right, then we've got. The Heistest Heist Ever Heisted, A Heist Story of a Heist, Special Editor's Edition. <laughs> this title is getting me nowhere, um, but whatever. Uh, I've read part of this on here, too. It's a story of vomit and poop and a heist. Um, kind of what I've decided lately is, uh, you know, not lately, but over several years, I think starting with Skeleton Army which is a kind of a skeleton army, a story of an army of darkness of skeletons, I think is called. Um, and then continued with Ninja Sons and Save the Arcade is that I wanted to take like movie types and uh, write my own version of them. So I did my own. Well, I don't know if for most people, Army of Darkness isn't a movie type. It is a movie, but I'm calling it a movie type. Uh Ninja Sons was like the, you know, three ninjas, I guess, was the most direct inspiration. But uh, Sidekicks starring Chuck Norris and that blonde kid who is in everything, who he learns how to beat people up with karate despite having asthma. Of course, the karate kid. Lots of lots of ninja kids out there. So that's a story of uh, kid ninjas told from their father's perspective, because as a dad, I think that'd be pretty fucking annoying. Uh, Save the Arcade is, of course, the classic tale of uh, can we have a topless car wash in order to save a business that probably shouldn't exist. And then I did my heist movie. 
So now I'm going between uh, some different options. I'm thinking about time travel, thinking about uh, fantasy. Uh, fantasy could be great and it could be horrible because I don't know as much about fantasy because I don't enjoy it. But maybe not enjoying it is really the key to uh, doing a good one. Okay, then we've got a letter on a letter, a discussion of intellectual freedom. So this is like a, an essay, basically, of uh, several months ago, there was a letter published in Harper's. A bunch of authors and academics signed it, and it was about cancel culture. And uh, a lot of the reactions to it, I thought, were like not well thought out and whatever. So I kind of use that as a springboard to talk about intellectual freedom and what I think of the letter, but more what I think of the reactions to the letter. Um, I don't know who would want to read this, but it was it was like one of those things that you write just to get it out of your body. You know, it's like uh, sometimes sometimes you got to take a real heinous dump and it's not a pleasant experience. And uh, you're like, God forbid someone else be in the room with me. Like, no one else needs to experience this for me to get it out. And in fact, that might make it worse. Um, however, you just, you got to expel it. And so here it is. And you could just have it for free or buy it. The last one is my mother's silver bowl. That just went up this week. Um, it's got a cover that I'm very proud of. And uh, it's a, a short story about a... Uh, lady who melts her face off so there you go that's what i've got get them for free or buy them or you know do both i don't care just have them um and give me a review i don't care if it's an honest review usually it's like we'll exchange book for an honest review or whatever i don't really care about your honesty i have no ability to judge your honesty either so, I mean, that would that's kind of a joke, right? For me to say, like, oh, be it, give it an honest review, because it's like, well, I mean, what are you going to do? How are you going to honestly, how am I going to know how honest you are? I don't care. I just don't care. Also, I don't want an honest review if it's shitty. If honest to you is like reality show honest, where somebody's like, uh, I, I don't care. I didn't come here to make friends. I'm just being honest. And it's like uh, every everyone who says I'm just being honest is usually not just being honest. They're usually being honest and something else. Um, I think they're usually being honest, but cruel. Oh, hang on. Okay, anyway. Sorry, I locked out uh, Poonmaster Flex out of our house on accident. Because I'm smart. So buy some stuff, buy it, buy the books. Okay, so today's show, uh, I had this idea a little bit back that, um, well, I've had some different ideas for podcasts, right? Like I've got Helpful Snowman, and then I've got Amazing Spider Webcast, which like limps along at the rate of four issues a year. <laughs> I should try and um, just, I guess, if I did... 13 a year, that would catch me up eventually. Um, then when I hit the uh, 2010s, I know they were putting out a Spider-Man book every week. So uh, then I'd get behind again. But I can figure that out when I get there, right? Um, so I guess I should, I should just commit to doing that many per year 
and then be like, well, it's coming out as fast as they originally did. That's my aesthetic. So anyway, I've had other ideas for other shows that I wanted to do. Some of them more uh, serious or having actual more purpose or content than others. <laughs> but um, what I thought I would do instead of actually being like, I'm going to just start my own podcast network that are all podcasts that I do. They get updated once every four months. I would just do kind of tester episodes on Helpful Snowman because I can do whatever I want on here, right? Um, so today's episode is a show that I don't have a title for yet. But basically, um, one of my failures from childhood was uh, that I never finished the Boy Scouts. This is not something I consider like a huge failure in life. Um, it's just something that I minorly regret, right? Something that I don't feel great about. It's not even that. It's just sort of like, uh, I don't know. Every It's like this stuff comes up once every three years. Once every three years you go camping and you have to tie a knot in something and you're like, mm, fuck, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what kind of knot do you think is the best for securing two ropes together? And I'm like, I mean, am I going to have to tell you a poem about a rabbit going in a hole or something? Like, how do I, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe that's it. I don't know what I'm doing in a lot of situations and they don't come up a lot, but when they do, I'm like, for some reason, I think if I only I'd finished the scouts, I would know what to do. So I was like, I can just get the handbooks, the manuals, they tell you everything you need to do. I could do the things. Starting at the Cub Scout Tiger Cubs, all the way up through the Boy Scouts. And then once I, you know, and I'm like, I'm an adult. I can do a bunch of this shit. I don't need, like, parental supervision and guidance. And, you know, I'm smarter now than I was then. Probably. And so I can, um, you know, with the idea of getting it done more quickly and within my abilities, I could probably finish faster than it actually took as a kid which was like i don't know i think boy scouts is like four years and then tiger cubs goes back to like kindergarten so i guess it's like 12 years <laughs> so maybe i could chop that down to a reasonable four months um so anyway right now i've got checked out from the internet archive the tiger cub handbook which looks pretty familiar kind of looks like the one i would have had as a kid there's like a what appears to be a dad and two scouts looking at some flowers excitedly. There's a kid on a bike. There is a uh, another dad, I guess, and his son in the background. And they are people of color. So see, they were trying back. What makes this what makes that notable to me is I was like, I feel like the big 90s thing when you're like, we want to show diversity in something was a kid in a wheelchair. So I'm kind of surprised there's not a kid in a wheelchair here. But maybe the scouts was like, no gays, no wheelchairs. So first page, this is my tiger cub handbook. And I have to sign it, name of tiger cub. And then name of adult partner. I guess that'd be Poon Master Flex. We were watching uh, The Amazing Race and commenting on how so many people call each other baby. Like, you could do it, baby. Come on, baby. And I was like, if we were on this show, maybe I'd just call you Poonie. And then they'd probably have to beep it out every time. And they'd be like, what is this guy calling his girlfriend all the time? Why does she have no reaction to it? What is going on? <laughs> all right. So write in. Dear parents, 
Welcome to the Boy Scouts of America. That's right, I did it. Tiger Cubs is the beginning of what we hope will be a lasting relationship between your son and the scouting program. Yee. Scouting is fun with a purpose. Um, that's like the opposite of Helpful Snowman. It's fun, but with no purpose. Through his participation in the scouting program and with your guy... Oh, I guess no girls, huh? I feel like when I was a kid, that's when they were like, Girls, can they be in the Boy Scouts? And everybody was just sort of like, well, they have Girl Scouts. And I know girls were like, well, the Girl Scouts suck. And I was like, eh, Boy Scouts is no picnic. We're not having a ton of fun either. Through his participation in the scouting program and with your guidance, your son will be well on his way toward developing strong character, good citizenship, and healthy personal fitness habits. All right. The Tiger Cub program is designed to meet the needs of the youngest members of the BSA. Your son will be greatly helped by your enthusiastic participation in the many parent-son activities that are at the core of the Tiger Cub program. Uh-oh. I don't want to get my dad involved here, but okay. All parents want their children to enjoy a safe childhood. All right. Part of growing up is learning how to avoid dangers. When children are the age of Tiger Cubs, parents are the most effective teachers of safety strategies. Where is this going? Although discussing child safety issues with your children may sometimes be difficult for you, it is important. One of the most important steps parents can take to protect their children is to discuss defense strategies with them and to establish an atmosphere of open communication. Research shows that children whose parents talk to them about child protection are more effective at fending off assaults. Your role is very important. What is going... This is the first page of text. This must have been, I feel like there was like sexual assault stuff in the Scouts, right? Maybe this was like gay panic stuff, or maybe this was real. I'm not sure, but maybe this was like the response to that. I have no memory of this. Maybe my parents were like, eh, we're not going to do this. If, you're, if you are uncomfortable discussing child protection issues with your child, let him know. When parents are uncomfortable discussing safety with their children, try to hide their uneasiness. The children may interpret the anxiety and be less likely to come to their parents when they need help. You can use a simple statement like, I wish we did not have to talk about this. I am uncomfortable because I don't like to think that this could happen to you. I want you to know that it's important and you can come to me whenever you have a question or if anybody tries to harm you. Uh, so far, this is kind of sound advice. You know, I was, I was ready to make fun of the uh, tiger cubs of my youth. I was waiting for it to be like, if you see a uh, suspicious looking person, perhaps someone from south of the border, here's how you should, you know, but uh. select words that your child understands. Establishing an understanding between you and your child on safety issues makes it more likely your child will come to you if something harmful happens. Provide the opportunity for your child to practice youth protection skills. Send them home on the subway alone. No, learning is made more effective when children have the chance to practice with you the skills they are taught. Below are some simple safety rules that can be approached in the same non-frightening manner in which you tell your child not to play with fire. <laughs> well, some, some children just gotta get burned. What can I say? They emphasize situations that your child could face without you and that your child needs to be prepared for. Note that there are some situations in which the individual who could harm your child may be known to him, so teaching your child about stranger danger alone is not enough. Alright, so what should we do? 
if you are in a public place and get separated from your parent or authorized guardian, do not wander around looking for him or her. Go to a police office, a checkout counter, the security office, or the lost and found area and quickly tell that you have been separated from your parent and need help. Oh, God. This is like, so now I'm looking at this from the parent angle. And I'm like, eh. I mean, I don't know. How often, are kids getting lost all the time in the store? Is that still a thing? It was a thing when I was a kid. Um, my older brother would wander off often to like the magazines and comic books. He would just be gone. Because checkout time, I guess, was too boring for him. You should not get into a car or go anywhere with anybody unless you have your parents' permission. Hmm. Yeah. That seems reasonable. I don't know. It seems to me like uh, there was this time when COVID was first starting where I was like, oh my god, there's like packs of kids roaming the streets. This is like the 1980s all over again. But that seems to have come to an abrupt end. So uh, I would think that if you were trying to kidnap a kid that this is not a successful method anymore. I... I I don't see a lot of kids out wandering the streets, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's because I'm not out wandering the streets, so who knows? Adults and older youth who are not in your family and who need help, such as finding an address or locating a lost pet, should not ask children for help. They should ask other adults. Older youth? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, I guess that's a difficult one to explain to like a kindergartner, but you're like, Look, you would be worthless at helping an adult find their lost dog, right? I mean, beyond them maybe rolling down the window and being like, Hey, have you seen a uh, dog running around? And they're like, no. We, uh... So we wanted to have... We were thinking about having a pool party this summer where we get some mini pools and, like, fill them up in our driveway. But the problem is we're in a condo complex, so we don't have a hose. Um, so we saw our neighbors had, what they'd done is they'd run a hose from their uh, washing machine uh, outlet through the window into the driveway. And we were like, genius. So Poonmaster Flex was like, let's go ask them how they got this. And it's these two moms who live next to each other and they have like five kids among the two of them or something. So we were asking them a couple questions and just chatting. And then one of the kids who was probably like 10, he was like, you guys should come over and swim sometime. And I was just like, oh, no, 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 no. Because I was like, I wouldn't even have asked because it's weird for me to approach and ask moms like, I was thinking of setting up a child swimming area in my driveway. <laughs> That's red flags. But when you're with the Poodmaster Flex, it's um, it feels much safer. Um and so uh, anyway, I was just like, you know, it's weird because it's normal to be 10 and to be like, these adults seem fine. They could come and swim with us. That wouldn't be weird to me. And then I'm like, well, when you're in your 30s, you'll understand why this is weird. You should use the buddy system and try not to go anyplace alone. Always ask your parents permission before going into someone else's home. Yeah, I mean, why would you go into someone else's house? What situations are people in? No one should ask you to keep a special secret. If this happens, tell your parent or teacher. This is why kids make terrible spies. Because on the one hand, they're told to keep a secret. And then on the other hand, they're told to never keep a secret. These, uh, these widespreading rules seem to be a little bit uh, draconian. <laughs> it's really limiting kids' ability to have some, some cool careers. 
If someone wants to take your picture, tell your parent or teacher. That I wonder if that's even like a thing. I mean, I would think if some if if someone are people like going to the park and taking kids pictures anymore or do you just find them on the interwebs, right? I mean, that's what you do, isn't it? Just some kid in a swing, I don't know. Uh, no one should touch you on the parts of your body that a bathing suit covers unless it is your doctor while treating you or during a physical examination, nor should you touch anyone else in those areas. Your body is special and private. Eh, I don't know if I would have called my body special at any point in my life, but private is fair. <laughs> That's fair. Anywhere a swimsuit covers. Right now, I, uh, these days I rock a full body swimsuit. Now, I've only taken this rafting. I've not... I haven't had to go to a water park in so long. The, the great tragedy of water parks is uh, that you have to be like mostly nude there. I mean, this is what was great about it when you're like 15 and you're walking around and there's other like 15 to 18 year olds in swimsuits. You're like right on. But when you become like an adult, you're like, oh, this is not good. I'm not, I'm not feeling this. I wish I didn't have to do this in order to ride rides. That seems unfair. Uh, you have the right to say no to anyone who tries to take you somewhere, touches you, or who makes you feel uncomfortable in any way. I'm going to tell my boss, I'm not comfortable doing this amount of work. <laughs> no. Um, let's see. Oh, Bobcat requirement. So I've got to... Uh, I've got to learn the Cub Scout Promise, Law of the Pack, and Cub Scout Motto. And there are principles. Uh, the Cub Scout Promise includes the phrase to help other people. This means that a Cub Scout should be willing to do things for others that would please them, but only when his parent has given permission and knows where he is and who he is with. So I guess I have to ask uh, Flex about doing this podcast for you and my scouting journey. This is a weird thing, too, like thinking about doing something like this. I wonder how people who do these sort of questy podcasts, like you're going to do a show about, I'm going to become a Cub Scout again. I'm going to learn Boy Scout stuff. And it's like, there's a weird, a weird moment when you got to tell like your wife, you got to be like, hey, my wife, who I'm an adult partner with, we pay bills together. Here's what I'm thinking of doing with my time. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Oh, here's some what-if scenarios. Helpful snowman is great at these. So in this activity, the parent describes situations the child should recognize as possibly dangerous. Once the parent describes a situation, the child tells or shows what he would do if faced with a similar situation. After each, some possible responses are listed. For some of these situations, you might already have set rules. You should not change your rules unless there is new information you've not considered. You should also feel free to reward the situation if that helps your child understand this or reword the situation. Okay, what if you are home alone, the telephone rings, and a voice on the other end asks if your parents are home? What would you do? I guess I, I need to look this up. Was this a thing like people would be like, are your parents home? And then the kid's like, nope. And then they come over and kidnap that kid. Is that how this worked? Is your parents home? Why wouldn't you just sit outside the house and be sure the parents weren't home? Because even if the kid said no, or even if the kid was like, I don't know, or like whatever, I mean, how, how, how much do you trust the kid? Also, 
I think if this was my kid, I'd be like, kids aren't answering the phone. That is an endless annoyance to me when uh, you call someone and their kid is on the phone and they think it's fun and cute. But you're just like, eh, listen, I didn't want to call the like fun, cute kid hotline here. I just wanted to talk to you for something. Give your kid their own their own phone and I will call the kid when I want to talk to the kid, which is never. Um, so what would I do? They ask if my parents were. I think my classic was like, my mom's in the shower. She can't come to the phone. I guess that was like meant to. That's. I guess that was meant to be like she's unable to talk on the phone right now. Um, but, uh, you know, she's still here. So she could attack you with a knife or gun or something. I don't know. But in hindsight, I'm like, hmm, what if this person was like a sexual predator calling to see if my mom was there? Because that's what they were hoping for. <laughs> I was hoping. You know what I would tell the kid to do, I think, is to just say like, uh, oh, yeah, can I tell them who's calling? And then the person will probably either hang up or be like, oh, it's so and so. And then just set the phone on the counter and walk away. Just don't even do it, you know, and they'll just be like, God damn, stupid kid. Okay, tell your tell the caller your parents are busy and can't come to the phone. Take a message and the phone number of the caller. If the message needs a response immediately, call your parents. Don't tell the caller you're home alone. Let the answering machine answer and do not pick up the phone until you're sure who the caller is. All good advice. Mine's better, but that's good advice. Don't answer the phone if you're a kid. If you're the appropriate age for Tiger Cubs, if you're not a podcaster looking through this um, for funsies, don't answer the phone. What if an adult invites you on a camping trip and suggests that you allow him to take your picture when you are not wearing clothes? What would you do? Uh, demand forms of payment. Okay, so I guess this scenario assumes that I'm on the camping trip with an adult. For This has gone wrong way before, like... Here's the, the true answer here is like, uh, this is a Kobayashi Maru. You should not be on a camping trip with a strange adult, period. You should not be in the scenario where someone asks you to do that. Um, what would I do? I would probably just say like, oh, I can't do that right now. I've got a, a, a tattoo that's real infected. It's fucked up, man. Uh, let's see. Tell them you don't want to have your picture taken when you don't have your clothes on. Eh, it's okay, but I'm more like, no, I think the answer is I don't want to have my picture taken at all by someone who wants to take a picture of children without clothes on. When you return home, tell your parents what happened. Be careful around that person in the future and be sure to tell your parents anything that bothers you about that person. Uh, wait until you're older and then get revenge on them by killing them. No court in the land will convict you. What if a neighbor comes to you and says that your parent is sick and you must go with him or her? This neighbor is not a person you have been told it's okay to go with. What would you do? Uh, okay, kid. You're, oh, your mom's sick. You gotta come with me. This is just some weirdo? Probably not. I think when I was a kid... <laughs> Oh, this is unfortunate. This is not going to reflect well on my mom. But I think when I was a kid, we talked about this. And I was like, uh, who would you send if something like this happened? And she said, like, one of her friends or something. And I was like, well, can we have a code word? 
And I remember I was like, the code word will be Captain Crunch. And then uh, she was like, eh, okay. I don't know. I think she was just like, just don't go with somebody who's not me. Why would you do that? I don't know. Poonmaster Flex and I have devised a brilliant system um, to talk to each other on the phone to indicate, like, something is wrong, call the cops or whatever, which is like, I will call, but, you know, the person's got, like, they're pointing a gun at me and they're like, don't tell her anything's wrong. And I just say, like, okay, did you, uh, did you get pickles at the store? I mentioned pickles because she hates pickles and would never eat pickles. And I know that. And she knows I know that. So if I mention it in that way casually, that's the flag of something is wrong. And uh, hers for me is yogurt. Because I hate yogurt. And so she would be like signaling that something is amiss. Let's see. If you're at school, ask the principal or your teacher to help you make sure your parent really sent this person for you. Yeah, I mean, someone just drives up and is like, hey, your mom's sick, get in. <laughs> okay. If you're at home or somewhere else, call the emergency number your parents gave you. 911? Oh, such as where they work or a close relative for help in making sure your parents sent this person. Do not go anywhere without checking with the person you have been told to contact in this same kind of situation. I don't know if I had a backup. I mean, I guess one safety feature of living in a... Uh, divorced family child of divorce is like well i call my dad i guess just be like hey should i go with this guy what's going on get your parents divorced so that they're never in the same place at the same time and therefore you can have someone to call what if you're in a public restroom and someone tries to touch you in ways or places that make you feel uncomfortable what would you do for example, you're at urinals that are too close and they rub your shoulder. Yell stop that as loudly as you can. Run out of the room as quickly as possible. Tell your parent, a police officer, security guard, or other adult, such as your teacher, what happened. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think a little kid being like, stop doing that as loud as they can is probably uh, pretty effective. I would say, I would add to that, tell, yell stop doing what you're doing. Stop touching me. Um, be specific. The more specific you are, the more effective that'll be. I don't know what I would do, though, if, like, some kid was like, stop that, and ran out of the bathroom. I don't know if I'd be like, oh, my God, we got a pedophile here, or would be like, oh, my God, we got a, you know, overbearing dad here. I, who knows? I don't know. What am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do in that situation? I consider myself a useful member of society, but, like, am I supposed to punch a guy? I don't know. What if you're walking to school in the rain and a car stops and the driver asks if you want a ride? <laughs> what would you do? Um, I mean, I didn't walk that far to school, so I'd just say hell to the no, I guess. What would you do? <laughs> do you want a ride? I'm like, well, I do want a ride as a general concept. Yeah, but I'm not going to get in your car. Tell them something like that, something freaky and weird so that they're like, um... Never mind. I don't think you're the kind of naive ingenue that I'm looking for. What if you're playing on the playground and an adult comes up to you and asks you to help find his or her lost puppy? What would you do? Yeah, see, this is where my parenting style would come in handy. I'd be like, look, son, you're not good at 
things. Like, you don't know how to do anything yet. You can't even tie your own shoes. How You're not Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Okay? Problematic as that movie may have become, uh, you're still not even the detective aspect of that. Not even a pet detective. So, like, if, so, if an adult is asking you to do something that is not something that you've done a thousand times, um, something is wrong. They've, they're asking the wrong person. Just be like, uh, you know what? Tell them what I tell people who are trying to get me to sign a petition. I just say, oh, I'm good. Thank you, though. I, th I think that answer is just baffling enough because they're like, no, no, I wasn't offering something to you. But now I don't really want to make that clarification. Oh, he's gone. What if you're walking down the street and an elderly neighbor tells you that you'll get a quarter to help carry groceries? The person asks you to come into his or her house. What would you do? Um, I guess it depends on the neighbor. Honestly, I had a, an elderly neighbor who was very elderly. I don't think he could have. Uh, I don't think he could have done anything to me against my will unless he had like a you know, old chloroform rag he had left over from the, the 20s when he was like a noir detective, which I don't think he was any of these things, but whatever. Although, uh, I heard tale in our neighborhood that this elderly neighbor, I mean, this guy was like old and frail as fuck. And uh, he, supposedly his wife had like a stroke or something. She had some kind of thing where she was passed out and he took her to the hospital and he carried her up the stairs from the basement in their house to and put her in the car and drove her to the hospital. Which I was like, old people are just fucking different, aren't they? He's like, oh, fuck it. I can carry her up the stairs. And at that point in his life, I was like, there's no way. So maybe he could have killed me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe there was, you know, properly motivated. I don't even think he liked his wife that much. I mean, they just yelled at each other all the time. Maybe that's what kept it spicy, but I think they just hated each other. So I don't know. I don't know how motivated he was to preserve the life of his wife. What if an older child you know invites you to play a game and to pretend that he or she is the doctor and you are the patient? This child tells you to take off all of your clothes so that the doctor can examine the patient. What would you do? Uh, this depends greatly on the gender of the child and my attractiveness to them. Um, but I guess when I'm like six, I would probably just say like, oh, you want to play doctor? My dad has this cool thing from his doctor shit that for some reason he's just left in a drawer downstairs, which is like a uh, thing you use to measure like nerve damage or something. And it's a little box with a little rod on it. And it delivers an electric pulse. And you can like put it on your wrist and then your hand kind of closes automatically. Let's play with that. This is fun. And it's not fun. Like it sounds fun and it looks kind of cool. But then when you're actually doing it, you're like, oh, this is a really unpleasant sensation. That and like, I think once or twice in the garage at my old house, I got electrocuted by um, the light switch. Because it was like uncovered and there was just a live wire leading to it, I guess. And after just those minor shocks, I was like, being electrocuted is one of the most unpleasant feelings ever. So when you see those things that like work your abs by electrocuting them, you're just like, no, that doesn't work. And 
you know it doesn't work because if it did, everybody would have a six pack, first of all. And secondly, um, if it worked, they wouldn't, they just, the gyms would close. You could just put on a suit that electrocuted your muscles and stimulated them and made you ripped. Now, it may be possible that wearing something like that, that like flexes your muscles to an extreme degree, uh, would make you stronger and fit looking. However, the problem is that it's so unpleasant. Um, I had, I had some of this done, call it dry needling, and they basically put an acupuncture needle in you, um, but it's longer. And then they hook it up to electrodes and the electrodes pulse. And so your muscle, like my entire quadricep would tighten and then go slack and tighten. And it would just do this for like 10 minutes. And it's not pleasant. It's not something that I think you would get to where you're like, I could just do this and watch TV. And I forget that it's happening. You're just like, eh, this is painful. This is uncomfortable at the very least. Painful at the worst. It was funny when I was having that done because I, I ga I'd gathered that this was something that they were like, eh, let's give this a shot. I don't know. Part of me thought like, maybe they do this to people who they're like, I don't think we can fix this problem. So let's just give them the worst treatment. And if they keep coming back after this, then we know there's really something wrong. If this is any kind of psychosomatic thing or something that's like, you know, they just want attention, they'll stop. <laughs> it's not worth it. But uh, yeah, you know, you know, it's like a bad one because like everybody else in the place was kind of interested in what was happening and like giving me sideways glances of like, are you going to pass out? What's happening over there? Uh, you know, one of those things when the cure is better than the uh, affliction, right? All right, well, there you go. I finished my first uh, tiger cub exercise. And our first, you know, way to go, Pete. Way to make fun of uh, child sexual and physical safety. That's a, gr a great addition to the world, huh? Really, really doing everyone a favor there. But uh, yeah, so maybe next time we'll have a different podcast that we're doing. Who knows? Maybe it won't involve like uh, child predators. It might. Just, you know, putting that out there. You never know. You never know. You might do something and then the person turns out to be a child predator later. So I, I can't I just can't guarantee that anymore. One of those scenarios needs to be, what if a podcaster guaranteed that there would be no connection to child predators? And now I would know how to answer that. All right, we'll see you next time. Um, give me money on Patreon. Buy a book. Do something like that. I'm everywhere on the internet. Find me. Pay me. <laughs> <laughs>